This is DeRay Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 88. A wise man once said, there's simply no trying, there's only do. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye hey what's up what's going on btm tribe we're back for another installment we're back for the second installment of 2019 but the 88th installment overall and on this episode guys we are speaking to a real estate investor a real estate agent and a real estate entrepreneur by the name of Scotty Smith. On this episode, we're going to tackle a whole lot of mindset. You know, we're going to talk about the fact that metacognition has a big role to play in your day to day lives and your decision making. We're going to talk about some principles that Scotty lives by and how there is no try, there is only do, and how he incorporates this in his everyday life. We're going to talk about a development deal Scotty has going on, and we're going to get a little bit into affordable housing as well. But this episode is for you guys. This episode is one of those episodes that's really going to help you through the process, especially those of you that are agents that are looking to become investors, and especially how Scotty was able to go through that process. So I can't wait for you guys to get to it. But first, I want to kind of just reflect really quick, because as of the day that this episode releases... You are seven days or at least seven days into the new year, whether you're listening to this episode in a week or two weeks after it releases or a whole year, you are that many days into this new month or this new year or this new time in your life. Many of you guys listen to this episode when it releases, you are seven days into the new year. How are you faring so far on your new year's resolutions? How are you faring on your goals? Are the gyms still packed? Are you still doing everything that you can to get your next property under contract? Are you starting your business this year? Are you finally seriously going to set up that appointment with your financial advisor? I mean, what is it for you? And if you find yourself slacking or stalling or procrastinating, then there's something that's lost in transition. Or maybe you actually know what you want and you know what your goal is. Or maybe it's too early to tell and you're just getting started. But you can't really know at this point, right? You're just trying different things taking a bunch of maybe shots in the dark. And because you don't really know where you're going, you you can veer to the left a little bit. You can veer to the right. You can completely turn around and not even know. Picture this. I was listening to a podcast the other day and the guy being interviewed was talking about a time that him and his buddies went hiking on a mountain and they split up into two groups. So him and a few guys, they went one way and the other group of guys, they went another way. Now, when this guy that was being interviewed and his group of friends 
came across things that they haven't seen before or obstacles that were in their way. They were really smart. They had to get really serious and you know buckle down and improvise, but they made it to the top of the mountain. And they would actually think that they made it to the top of the mountain in record timing. But when they got to the top, they noticed that their friends, the other few guys that went the other way, they were already there. So the guy being interviewed, he asked his friend and the other group, he was like, hey, how did you guys get here so fast? Like we worked diligently like to get through these obstacles. We busted our butt. We got, we didn't get any sleep. And his friend responded. He was just like, I mean, what do you mean? We just followed the trail. You didn't get the map to hand out in the beginning. And they were there so much quicker. They had been there for a while. In fact, they were actually starting to get worried because the guy being interviewed and his friends, they hadn't made it up the mountain yet. So the goal that you're looking to achieve, if there's no plan in place, a plan in place that is set before you, not by you, I'm sorry to say, not by you, but somebody who's already traveled up that mountain before, if there's no trail, if there's no map, if there's no plan to get somewhere that you are trying to go, that you are looking to go and you're not following that plan, you are reinventing the wheel. I'm not saying that you won't be successful, but most people, they burn out. Most people, they give up on their dreams. And a lot of the times it's because they are reinventing the wheel. Again, I'm not saying that you're not going to be successful because you can and you will if you persevere for as long as you need to persevere for as many left and right wrong turns that you're making and U-turns that you're making and dead ends that you're running into. If you can persevere through all that, however long it takes, then go ahead, reinvent the wheel and know that you will get to your success. But if you're looking to hit your goals here in 2019 and you don't have a plan set out, a map of the points that you need to hit along the way to guarantee success and guarantee that you get there the most efficient way possible, then you just may not hit your goal. This month, we're starting a 30-day challenge. And the reason why there are, it's called a 5K in 30 days. Now, it could just be called 5K, right? But the reason why this challenge is called 5K in 30 days is because it adds a second layer. It adds a restriction. It adds a timetable. Your plan without a timetable is not a plan. It's a dream. So this challenge is is an example of a system, a system that people use to get a certain, a system that people use to get a certain desired outcome. Because if I asked you right now, how many ways can you think of today going into a field you've never been into before? with no experience, no background, no money, no education, and you're able to go and make $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 in the next 30, 60, or 90 days. How many things can you think of? This challenge with real estate, this vehicle is your map, your path, your plan for the next 30 days to get started for those of you looking to jump into real estate. And it's 100% free, guys. It's a challenge. So I want to challenge you to put some parameters on these goals. And then once you have parameters, now you can define steps in those parameters. Well, if I need to do this in the next 30 days, what do I need to do within the next two weeks? What do I need to do in the next week to get accomplished what I want to accomplish in two weeks? What are the tasks in the next three days that I need to do to make sure that I hit my one-week goals? What can I do today to hit my three-day target? so that I can hit my one-week goal, so that I can hit my two-week goal, so that I can hit my 30-day goal. You take that type of action in every single goal that you have for 2019, and I guarantee, guarantee you will be shocked by the results. So for those of you that are interested in real estate, if you're interested in this challenge, visit beforethemillions.com forward slash 5K. That's beforethemillions.com forward slash 5K. And get started with this challenge sooner rather than later. And for the rest of you with your goals, Set those parameters and then get really, really specific 
and really granular with the tasks that are needed to complete the goals that you've set for yourself. That's how we're going to start this episode, guys. Really powerful stuff. Now let's get to the tip of the week. As if that wasn't already, that was the tip of the month. I mean, that's the tip for the next 30 days. Yeah, we're starting this challenge in about two days. So if you're listening to this in six months in the future, you can start your challenge right now. And everything that's open to everybody that's taking the challenge in January or in February and June or July and September, it's all going to be open to you. So one of the things that are in the challenge is that I am answering all questions from all challengers. And it may sound crazy, but I'm actually doing this, guys. If you check out the challenge, you'll see that I'm answering all questions from all challengers, no matter what it is they're focused on, uh, what they're doing, how many questions they're asking. Like I am literally answering all questions. So I'm almost like your personal mentor in this challenge. You can't help but to win, right? Whenever you take the challenge, I'm here and I'm waiting for you. So again, if that's something that you're interested in, visit beforethemillions.com slash 5K. Now let's get to the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. With this new iPhone update, I guess it's not new at this point, but there's a screen time app that kind of just shows you how much time you spend in each app. So like how much time you spend on your social media apps, how much time you spend on productivity, so on and so forth. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people spend a good portion of their time on social media, if not most of their time on social media. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's wrong. But the fact that you are spending so much time on social media, why not go ahead and use that platform, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, why not go ahead and use that platform to enhance your business, to enhance your investing? If you're going to be on there anyways, if you're going to be liking double tapping pictures anyways, if you're going to be posting, commenting, retweeting, all that stuff anyways, why not just add another task and things to do on social media and incorporate your investing. Get your name out there. Tell people what you're doing. You'd be surprised at just throwing up you know, your hands and saying, hey, I buy real estate or I buy houses cash or having a t-shirt or posting a pic that says that or a quote or having it be a caption to your picture, whatever. A quick video, 30 second video saying, hey, I buy houses in Houston, Texas. If you or somebody you know that's looking to sell their house, contact me. Just so even your friends know what you're doing. I mean, that's powerful. Many people don't look at that as a strategy. That is a strategy. That is actually an effective strategy for getting deals. Just being present, being on social media and letting your presence known, letting people know what you do. It builds your reputation. It positions you as that, you know, that person whenever somebody hears of somebody at work, like, hey, like I'm trying to sell my home, think uh, things aren't going good. And I think maybe needing to sell really, really fast. It positions you as that person that the coworker thinks about whenever they hear their coworker say that I need to sell my house. And then your friend hits you up and is like, hey, I know I saw that you're buying real estate. I wanted to connect you with blah. I mean, these things happen every day. So use social media to your advantage if you're going to be there anyways. Plus, you can connect with like-minded individuals. So if you're not already doing that, you need to start doing that. I mean, you control what goes into your mind. You control what goes, what plays through your thoughts. And that goes to what we're watching on TV, the things that we're reading, the images we see as we scroll through social media. I mean, all of that control that you would normally have, that control that I'm talking about, you control what goes in your mind. All of that control is being taken from you and being put in the hands of the people that you follow. So if you're surrounding yourself, aka if you're following people, like for me, if I'm following people back when I was young, you know, the type of friends that I had back when I was in summer school, I would only see and be exposed to a certain lifestyle. It'd be in my news feeds. It'd be on my Twitter if I had one. It'd be in my Facebook. 
be in my text messages, my group chats, and you surround yourself with that. And that's all you know. And that's all you think is possible. So when you relinquish that control to somebody else, it's very dangerous territory. So again, not saying you need to be able to control 100% everything that you see through social media, but why not start challenging yourself and following people and adding things to your timeline that are going to be beneficial, that are going to inspire you, that are going to motivate you to your goal. Surround yourself with that for a little bit. Mix that in. So connect with like-minded people or people that you're aspiring to be like. Last but not least, so on social media, you can advertise. You can show off your property if, you, if you're selling. Get all the pictures up and possibly find a buyer. But also, other people are on social media and these may be your friends and they're congratulating you. So that's cool too, right? Then you may see other people on social media who may be your target market. And they're like, hmm, he just sold that. I need to hit him up next time I want to sell. It's powerful, right? So just a few things to kind of consider as you're scrolling through your timeline this morning or this evening or this week. Last but not least, if you need somewhere to start, I'd love for you to connect with me on Instagram. My Instagram is Daray, D-A-R-A-Y, Olalia, O-L-A-L-E-Y-E or at Olalia. And I mentioned it last week for the very first time that you guys should go ahead and connect with me over there. But I already had a few people connect with me on Instagram and I've learned a little bit about them and their story. And it's pretty awesome just to kind of get to know some of the listeners around the world. I just recently spoke to a guy who drives a semi and he uses this podcast to get through his day. thought that was amazing. So connect with me on Instagram, Dere Olalia, and I can't wait to hear from you. And now your feature presentation. I'm super excited for the guest on today's show. I'm super excited to connect with somebody locally here in Texas. It's a pleasure to introduce you guys to Mr. Scotty Smith. Scotty, how's it going today? Oh, it's going pretty good. Thank you for having me. It's pretty amazing. Man. It's, although it's cold outside, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. 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 What I like to do, Scotty, is when I get a new guest on the show, especially somebody of your caliber, and we're going to talk about how you differ from a lot of the guests because you are on the agent side of things and you're going to have so much insight that's going to be so different from a lot of the beliefs that people have. And you're going to be able to kind of challenge some people's beliefs. So let's maybe first take it back. Let's yeah. talk about the inception of Mr. Scotty Smith. Yeah. So I have uh, 12 siblings, blended family. You know, my mother and my father, like the Brady Bunch, they each had three coming into the marriage then have four more. And so it's been it's been pretty phenomenal growing up in a household with so many different personalities. Me as a middle child, you know, and the true, you know, the, the epitome of middle child syndrome. It's been pretty interesting um, looking back at my upbringing and the things that we didn't have and, you know, the small that we did and being able to take some of those life lessons of different personalities and apply it to what I have going on now. And so I started, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a young kid with my brother Major and I, it's a pretty interesting story. We used to uh, collect pine cones from the neighborhood and spray paint them, go to the dollar store, get $1 baskets, put the pine cones in there. That'd be nice. Have a nice arrangement with a bow and we would sell them during Christmas time tell them during Christmas time to get money to buy our, our brothers and our sisters and you know, our parents uh, Christmas gifts. And so that's where the, the hard work and, you know, just the just real innovation started just as a, as a young kid. And so but I came up here to the Dallas area, man, when I was, uh, I was 18 and really never looked back. Uh, you know, in my, um, one of my first real estate classes, my professor 
told us, you know, as a freshman, looked us in the eyes and I walked in this class. He said, listen, if you guys don't own real estate by the end of this class, you know, I haven't taught you anything and you haven't learned anything. You know, and that's the PG-13 version of what he said. He added some explicits in there. <laughs> the nature of this show, I'll, <laughs> I <love it>. I'll <laughs> keep that uh, out there. But, you know, that's what he told us. And for me, it didn't make sense. Just the, the mindset of owning real estate at the age of 18, I just couldn't fathom doing that because, you know, when I went home back to Houston, I still had a curfew in my mother's house. So to be able to disassociate the mindset of, you know, having to be in somebody else's house by a certain time to owning your own, it just kind of blew my mind. And so from there, I didn't own it, but I did get a really substantial scholarship at the end of that semester. And the next semester I took what I had from that scholarship and bought my first house at the age of 19. And it was from that transaction that I learned, you know, a lot about the the real estate agent aspect of it. And I wasn't really, you know, that excited about the agent that I had. And so, and I was back in 2007, you know, I wasn't really happy about that. Uh, And so I got my license. And when I got my license, I bought a couple more houses. And this is, all this is before I turned 21. And so it was um, pretty phenomenal. I couldn't go to the bar, but I, I had real estate. And so that's been my journey. That was the start of my journey. Let me take it back really quick, Scotty, because you were sitting in class. Maybe it was the first day of class. And your professor said, if you don't own real estate by the end of this semester, basically, like, what are you doing with yourself? What are you doing with your life? And at 18, I'm looking yeah. at everything in that classroom like, Who's actually going to take this man seriously? But (laughs) that kind of stuck out to you. Yeah, it did. Over that semester and over the next, it sounds like over the next few semesters, you you just had this, maybe this gnawing, like, hey, let me, let me see what this is about. Let me get one foot in. Let me buy one. Let me do something. Let me figure this out. And you got your first one. So what did you do with that property? And Mm -hmm. then what did that open up, I guess, mentally for you to be like, okay, can I do more of this? Okay. Do I want to go get my license? Okay, okay. What is? Am I going to now go into this profession full time? Like, what was kind of the inception from that point? Yeah. So when I when I purchased the house, the original thought was, "Hey, I'm gonna live in it, rent some rooms out," which I did. You know, so me and a couple of buddies, and in any college town, renting the apartments it's pretty expensive, you know. And so I gave my buddies a two hundred dollar discount on what everything else was going on. So I had two rooms that I was renting about, you know, 500 bucks a month. That was covering the rent and then some, or my mortgage and then some. And so, you know, really the thought was, I want to use this as a a wealth building vehicle. You know, how do I build wealth using this real estate? And, you know, coming from 10 children, you know, mom's not, didn't have have a degree, pops didn't have a degree. So you kind of just Put yourself in, in a perspective of kind of how we we're living and you know my pops is he's in you know with our heavenly father right now but he was an entrepreneur at his core didn't really have all the systems in place but he really did work hard uh, for our family really quick scotty were you around people were you around other homeowners like did your parents own their home at the time like did, was that something common in the situation that you were in and the people that you were around no, it wasn't really common. My parents tried really, really hard. And I know we kind of talked beforehand about that try word, but they really did, you know, and they put, they did their best, but they weren't able to really, you know, garnish and, and get together the homeownership aspect of it. And so from, you know, looking at my past, I did not want that to be my present or my future. The reason really quick, the reason I ask you that is because it's really, really hard for us to go against the grain of something mm-hmm. that 
you know, wherever we are, whatever, whatever, whatever situation we grow up in, whether it's our culture, it's our system, it's our education, whatever it is, it's kind of hard for us to go against the grain. And then when people around us, I mean, you coming from 12 siblings, like people mm-hmm. around us, when they see that we're doing something that's against the grain, sometimes it's just like, hey, 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 what are you doing? Hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, and it's not because they're, Sometimes it is because they're worried worried for you, but sometimes it's because they're worried that you're you're going a different way, that you're a bit different, that something. Yeah. So I want to kind of talk about some of the challenges that you had, or maybe some of the conversations that you had through that process of that first one. You know what? A mentor of mine, and it's funny you say that. A mentor of mine told me not to buy that house. She told me, she said, "Scotty, don't buy that house. You're too young. You don't need to do that. You know, focus on graduating and then focus on that." I said, "Well, look." The bank is giving me a loan. I have the money from my scholarship to get it. Why not? You know, so I had my plan. And in my mind, it made sense. Right. And so what ended up happening is I had a little bit of a falling out because of that, because I really wanted this and I didn't want someone to tell me not to do it and not be able to justify the reason for them telling me not to. And everything that she was telling me at the time didn't make sense. And so in any case, you know, after I collected my first two rent checks, I sent her a little check for 50 bucks and was like, you know, I appreciate you telling me not to do it, but I've done it. This is the little bit of excess that I have because of my rent checks. And guess what? I can still go buy some food. You know, I'm not one of those starving college students. Right? You know, <laughs> so, you know, and it, it was just a it was I would call that just payment for her advice, although I didn't accept it. It was just payment for her advice. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And think about that that type of advice. And I always, you know, take heed to when you get advice from somebody, you consider the person that you're getting that advice from it. Although they they're, you know, they're well intentioned. It can be your parents, it can be your siblings, it can be your grandparents, whoever they're well intentioned, but you always have to think about the source of that advice. You know, right. is this person somebody who's done or not done what they're looking to tell me to do or not do? Mm-hmm. And haven't bought a piece of real estate, if you haven't invested in the stock market, if you haven't became a firefighter, but you're telling me how to go about something and you haven't done it, it's really, really hard. And I tell people, I mean, you shouldn't take advice from those people unless, right. you know, you're talking to somebody who's actually done that, who's actually been there, who's actually been like, hey, this is my experience. And this is what I would, I would tell you, I would recommend for you. But even then you have to take that with a grain of salt. So I love that. Now, Scotty, let's fast forward a little bit. Okay. Let's get to the fact that you've now become an agent. Cool. And you haven't opened up your LLC. You haven't, I mean, I know because you, you told me before this call that you started your LLC and that eventually we're going to talk about how that transformed, but mm-hmm. you haven't done this yet. You're, you're a yeah. starting out agent. What are some of your goals and ambitions at the time? What are you thinking is the top for you? Are you thinking of yourself as an entrepreneur at this time? Are you thinking about starting a business? Kind of what, what are some of your, your, your thoughts at this time? Yeah. And so my initial thought as an agent was to really just cut out the agents that were helping me buy um, investment properties. My goal was to be an investor. My goal was to, you know, capitalize on what was happening in the market. My goal was to buy as many properties as young as I could. So by the time I was 30, I'd just be rolling in the dough, right? And so I wanted to make certain that I was able to do those things. Well, of course, sometimes when you have this plan, you know, like Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Uh, and so my big punch in the mouth as a as a 19, 20 year old young man is I had a really big flip that I was just finishing at the end of 2007. And then at the end, at the beginning of 2008, the bubble bust. 
and it was a punch in the mouth. So I had this asset on my books as a young guy trying to figure out what to do. And so I kind of fell into being an agent really by default because, you know, I got this property. I needed to sell it. I fired the guy who was helping me with some of this stuff. And I started trying to market and list this thing on my own. So I started as an agent really to be able to capitalize on some of the market stuff that realtors get to help me with my um, properties and the things that I was looking to do. And so when the market turned, I went into, you know, to grind mode, right? Helping, you know, some of my college age friends find apartments and leases and folks that didn't want to get their college party shut down on campus. So we moved them off campus. And then, you know, it got to the point where I was bringing value based on how I was teaching people to purchase. And I was coming from a perspective of purchasing like an investor. One, how are investors purchasing? Well, they're purchasing low, they're fixing up. They may keep it for a, a period of time or they may sell it for market value. If you're a homeowner, let's think about it like that. It's not your forever home on the first go round. Let's buy something that's not really what is, you know, it's not shining and glistening at the moment, but it can be once you put a little bit of work into it. And so I was teaching people how to build equity and really build wealth using real estate as that vehicle. And that's what I still do to this day. Mm. Sorry, I want to remind you really quick, man. That's, that, that's awesome. I didn't know that you were coming from that perspective. So that's amazing. So yeah. I'm glad that you were able to kind of kind of shed light to that. Now, this was kind of what you were in for a while. When did you start thinking like, hey, like I want to start this business? Right. I want to create my LLC. I want to I want to I want to see how big I can get this. Like when did those start? thoughts start coming and what was the, what was kind of the progression of that? What was the first thing you did? So here was the progression, right? So 2007, 2008, it was hard for everybody in real estate. It was hard for everybody, period, right? But my backup plan was, hey, I had a degree in accounting and finance and I can always go utilize those things. And so I got one of the big four accounting firms to pay for my master's at Notre Dame, got my master's in accounting and worked for them for a couple of years. But while I was working for them, I was still working on my business plan for real estate. And I just couldn't figure out for the life of me why I was so unhappy until one day I just kind of looked up and I said, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to be a bean counter. No offense to any of our accountants out there, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't. I was trapped in closet size uh, offices, auditing the books of you know multi-million dollar corporations. And for me, it, it was no fulfillment. It literally was no fulfillment. And so at that point, you know, I talked to my, my partner that they, they had me with and I said, listen, I'm unhappy. I think it'd be best for me to leave. I, I'm just not going to be productive. It, it's not good. And so I left and two months later, two months later, I started the business that I had written out. And so I'm a planner. I'll write something down to, you know, down to the color of the carpets in my office, right? And so I planned it out and then I just kind of rolled it out from there. And so my first office was, you know, in my little apartment in downtown Dallas. Uh, and we just kind of rocked it out from there. I started Scotty Smith II and Associates back in May of 2011. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's, let's, so from 2011 on, let's just say your, your business is building and it's going like on a, on a regular trajectory. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the first major hiccup. So like maybe, you know, you can call it a failure. I want to call it, you know, feedback, but how is this failure in your business in those first couple of years? How has that kind of set you up for later success? Yeah, man. You know what? And it came really, really quickly, right? It came quickly. And so, you know, I didn't leave really until I had about six months of expenses saved up. 
right? Because that's what they tell you. You save six months worth of expenses. So that's what I did. But that was personal expenses, right? Completely negating the fact that I probably should have a little reserve from a business perspective. And so I blew through my reserves on a personal side really, really quickly. And I looked up at the end of that year and I'm like, yo, this is this is harder than I thought to be an entrepreneur. And so, you know, just as a broker it was me, you know, I had one agent and that agent was Scotty Smith. <laughs> and so all of my efforts were on me. And I just looked up and I said, goodness gracious, how in the heck am I going to pay for rent next month? How am I going to do this? And, you know, I had some things that were gearing up to close and, you know, they were new bills. They take a little longer to close out. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. But again, I looked and I had my fallback plan, which was my accounting degree. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just do this. It's hard out here. Let me go back to work for accounting. I interviewed 14 times over a two week span Mm -hmm. and got one call back from a guy uh, down in the Crescent Hotel or the Crescent office space, came into his office. That was the shortest interview that I'd ever been in. Um, And this was my second interview uh, with this company. That interview lasted all of five, maybe seven minutes max. Pretty much he brought me down there and asked me two or three questions. The main question was, why are you trying to, you know, why would you like to work for us? Two, what are you doing with Scotty Smith and Associates? I went and did some research on you, found you online, you know, what's going on? And he then he said, the last thing was, you don't want to work for us. You just hit a snag, didn't you? I'm not going to let our company be a fallback for you and your snag. You wow. will be successful. So go be successful. Wow. And I'm, looking at, I'm almost with tears in my eyes, you know, not because wow. of the motivation, because I didn't realize that. I'm thinking to myself, yo, I just spent my, my last 20 bucks on parking at the Crescent. <laughs> oh. I really want this job. And so ultimately, you know, I sat there kind of stunned for a little bit because he just kind of got up and, and left. And I was like, okay. And so I just walked down. I remember sitting in the car in the parking garage and I just said, okay, you know, it's time to pick it up. And that's what I did. From there, from that point forward, I just started dialing for dollars. I got on phones. I paid where can, wherever. I was turning over rocks, knocking on doors. My, look, it was whatever I needed to do to make it happen is what I started doing. Man. And that was just one of those things where I just said, you know what? It's not failure. It is feedback. You talk about trying something. Mm-hmm. And you, at that point, before that conversation, all you were doing was trying. Yep. So... At that point that you had that conversation at the time, you didn't think that conversation was a blessing, but you flipped the switch. And I want to kind of talk about that moment for you, because there are many people out there who believe that they're taking action mm-hmm. or who are in that trying phase. Right. And I need to get out of that trying phase, especially here at the end of 2018. And a lot of people are coming up with, you know, New Year's resolutions and they're mm-hmm. ready for that. You know, I'm, I'm this new me and this, that and third. How yeah. do they go? I'm trying to do this. I am actually doing this. Is it something that you have to put both feet in? I mean, what did you do? What was your mindset? So the first thing, man, and and I I really, I've grown to hate the word try. I really have. And so I'm not a Star Wars Wars fan, but I've seen a couple clips of Yoda and and I think he was talking to, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker and he, you know, Luke said something to the effect of, you know, I'm going to try. And Yoda was like, yo, listen, there is no try. Do or do not. So, and I kind of switched it up. There's no trial. You only do or not do. So which one is it? And so I did an exercise with a group of people and I put a chair in front of everybody. I said, I have a check right now for $10,000. If somebody here can demonstrate to me how to try and move this chair, 
I still have that check. <laughs> because there's no way that you can physically show somebody that you're trying. You're either going to move it or you're not going to move it. Which one is it? And so try is such a limiting word that people have to, you know, it's a, it's a mindset shift. You have to remove the word try from your vocabulary and subconsciously you'll get out of that, you know, that belief that, oh, if I don't make it, then I know I tried. Oh, do. You have to do. You have to make it up in your mind that I am going to do this and I'm going to make this happen or I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to make this happen. Whatever it is, don't use the word try in it to have it as an excuse. You know, really readjust and recalibrate your mindset. And so I went to a training class and we talked about just kind of metacognition and I'm really big on that now. And it's metacognition essentially means kind of thinking about what you're thinking about. Take a, a meta position outside of your mind and look at what you're thinking about. And when you put a little bit focus on that, and put a little bit of focus on what your mind is doing around the goals and things that you are you are looking and working to accomplish, then you start to empower yourself and pretty much give yourself the okay to become great and to become and accomplish the things that you you, you look to accomplish. Scotty, I told you, I did not know you were coming with all this. <laughs> It'd be a surprise, man. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I want to kind of wrap this, this, this try segment up in one bow. And I want to go back to your life and your personal experience. Now, in the past five years, when, when it comes to that mindset shift, what's a new belief or what's a new behavior or habit that you've maybe picked up to help you just go from, I'm not trying, I'm doing this? Is it meditation? Is it constantly going back to that, to, you know, being present, being right. What are you doing to make sure that you're reinforcing this, this belief that you have? So meditation and affirmation, prayer, and understanding that pace is grace, right? Oftentimes we, we set these really big goals and forget that these really big goals take small incremental increases in goals that you need to accomplish every single day to get that. And so pace is grace. My brother Major talks about that a lot. He says, Scotty, pace is grace. I know you want to have, you know, a $5 million uh, net income next year, but pace is grace. Get to two, get to 3.5, then get to five. Like, understand that you have to do small incremental increases of things every single day, month, year, et cetera. I love it. I love it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been simply phenomenal. And before we kind of get to the last segment of the show, I kind of want to wrap up with your current lifestyle right now and the things that you're doing. But we're going to get to the fun aspect. But on the business aspect, you're doing some really, really awesome things in the development space. So kind of talk about where you are today, what you're doing, even even your company, where that's been taken off. So I kind of want to give the listeners like, hey, like we heard about all his early beginnings, but what's going on with him now? And you kind of shared this with me earlier. So kind of share with our listeners what you have going on right now. So in 2011 or 2011 is when I started Scotty Smith and Associates. We grew, you know, got recognized um, from the National Association of Realtors as one of the top 30 brokers under 30. Got picked up on, you know, as part of the Forbes Real Estate Council. And so I kind of achieved some of the big goals that I had on my vision board. And so I'm like, okay, what's next? What next? And then I realized I looked at my broker numbers and, you know, we were at, you know, we were kind of at the same, the same point for it was about two years. And so I'm like, okay, I need a shift. I need something different. I need a breath of fresh air. So I thought about rebranding and spending a bunch of money to rebrand. And then a new and cool franchise came up. And what I did was I just aligned myself with um, this larger 
brokerage that has, you know, about 12,000 agents across the nation. And we, we teamed up and opened Dallas's first office of Realty One Group. And so now, you know, we switched and pivoted from Scotty Smith and Associates to Realty One Group First Choice. And in that, you know, we serve an interesting demographic, everybody under, you know, the $250,000 house price point. And everybody's in that price point. It's a huge market. And so a, a lot of times what happens is we have clients who, you know, submit offers on 10 or 12 homes before they find something or before they, you know, they don't get outbid by an investor. And me recognizing that, me and a group of partners got together a couple of years ago and said, okay, how do we how do we make sure that doesn't continue to happen? And so we saw an opportunity in an area that was just south of downtown, only about five minutes. There's a bunch of vacant land, is often overlooked, kind of the city. The city is the you know, redhead stepchild area. And so they just kind of left it alone. And you know, we saw some opportunity there. We came and we bought some land and we said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build houses here with the mindset to one, rebuild this community because it's forgotten. Two, we're going to make certain that our clients that we serve here at Realty One Group, at that point it was still Scotty Smith and but here at our office have first dibs at what we're building so that they don't have to outbid or they don't have to get into a bidding war with other investors or other other clients. Our clients have specific, they can, they can have pick of the litter when it comes to what we're building. And then uh, we wanted to make certain that people understood that they could, be able, they could still build wealth in this area through purchasing a new build in an area that's gotten now but will not be forgotten in the next five, 10 years. And so, you know, what we started doing, we, we built some affordable housing. We're about to wrap up the last two, you know, energy efficient homes, really modern style in an area that people just, like I said, they just forget. And so we're, we're really having some fun with that. It's a different part of the real estate business, but it's allowing us and affording us the opportunity to, to do great things in the community and for our clients. So it's one of those, you know, those double take deals. Yeah. So, so and I want to touch on the, the third aspect of that, which is the actual business. I mean, for your business to continue being a business, of course, you still have to remain profitable. So I want to talk about the fact that it sounds like you're Robin Hood and you're able to, you know, get these deals and actually keep them away from investors and get your clients into these deals, which is awesome. But from a business aspect, how is that helping you and your, and your business grow? Yeah, obviously our brokerage list and sales, all of those. And so our agents get paid the commission once um, they actually sell it. It's, uh, you know, their clients that we have directly here in the office. So we get paid there. Also, it's a subsidiary of the brokerage. And so the development side of it, we get paid developer fees and we share in the profits. And so, yes, it is a Robin Hood perspective. But I, at the end of the day, you got to keep the lights on. And this is a way for us to do good and make some money while we do it. There you go. I love it. And, you know, guys, the focus in 2019 is this lifestyle business. And I want to let's talk about, you know, how we're doing intricate deals with investors and how you can talk, how you can talk to agents and make sure you find agent friendly investors, rather talk to people who are entrepreneurs who are doing business on a daily day to day basis and talk to them how, how they built their business. I mean, we're listening to how Scotty has built his business over the years, how he started as, I mean, an 18 year old buying his first property and going through some of the trials and tribulations that he's gone through. And now he's built his lifestyle business. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? That would be The Go-Giver 
by John David Mann. Pretty phenomenal book. Really, to put it bluntly, you know, kind of the do good aspect, do good for someone else, and then it'll all come back to you, give, and it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So the go-giver. That is awesome. I love that book. I recently just read that book and it's definitely at the top of my 2018 book list. Um, So definitely check that out, listeners. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Okay, Evernote. Uh, Evernote is pretty phenomenal. I just found out that I can take a picture and turn it into a PDF. So that's really helping me out (laughs) in my business because I just exported over to this deal that I have called Sign Now and I can just, you know, sign contracts, docs, whatever needs to be signed. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I love Evernote. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? So currently, so I'm a single father. I have a daughter and a son. And specifically, I love the fact that after this meeting, I can go out up to their school and just kind of walk around the halls and peek my head in their window and just make sure that they're doing what they like to do or what they need to do. So the being able to be flexible with my time and have control of my time so that I can spend as much time with my children as possible. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That is the ultimate lifestyle design. I think that's every parent's dreams. So you're, you're actually living that out. So that's amazing. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? You know what? Boundaries around relationships. And sometimes you have to sacrifice some relationships. Where you were five years ago is not where you're going to be uh, five years from now. And sometimes those people who were with you five years ago, they're not prepared for you in this season of your life. And so or they're not supposed to go with you into the next season of your life. And you got you have to have a sense of awareness, a higher conscious level to realize, you know, who's supposed to go with you and who's not. And so sometimes you have to really shake up your circle of friends or shake up your circle of your network. So I love that. So and I want to kind of touch, you know, elaborate on that really quick and just kind of dive in when you do that. Like, it's easy to talk about it. But when you actually have people in your life that they've been in your life for a while, I mean, are you having conversations? Are you just like no longer just going to certain certain things like, you know, talk about what that what that process entails when you're breaking off these friendships or when you're when you're finding new friends to kind of make sure that you're you're keeping your mind where you Yeah, man, you know, it's funny. Um, just yesterday, a buddy of mine was telling me about how everybody was asking, hey, man, where's, where's Scotty been? Where's Scotty? You know, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, in the bars and the club back in my, my younger, earlier, you know, I was a promoter days, so I was spending a lot of time doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. And so when you decide that you're going to make a shift in your life for the better, you decide that you're, you need to have a mental capacity and a, and a conscious level to really get to a really big goal. You can't do those same things. And so for me, it was partying. It was drinking. It was a lot of things to help me take my mind away from the day to day work that I was doing. And I was only, you know, that, that was me trying to suppress the fact that I had to work hard. Right. And so once you come into your conscious life, you realize you don't need that stuff. And so those people who still want to be in that space are still in that space. And you have to decide, OK, well, you know, my, my four times a weekend uh, going out, you know, from Thursday to Sunday is probably, you know, coming down to one or once or twice a month. And so now things start to look funny because, they, you know, your, your group of people that you're normally around start to think you're being funny or they, they start to think that you're, you know, you're too good for them. And then all of a sudden you pop up and you say, listen, you know, 
I just bought another house. I just bought some more real estate. I just hired 10 more agents in my business. My business has done 20, 30% more than what it did last year. And I attribute that to not being in the bars or the clubs mm. as, as much as I was last year. And so like, one of two things will happen. They will applaud you or they'll turn their backs on you because they're, they're starting to get either jealous, envious, whatever. And that's okay. You know, when they, when they do that, that just means that they're not ready and equipped to be with you in this next season. So you have to realize that. Man, that's awesome. Powerful words. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? So this is the opposite end of that spectrum. This is going from who was not essential. Now, who was essential to your growth? Who would you attribute to? Who was essential to my growth? My brother, Major. Major just got nominated for his first ever Grammy. He is is dynamic. So yeah, I'm going to do a little plug. Check out his music. You know, now that's major on Instagram. Phenomenal gentleman. He talks, you know, him and I talk often. He's out in L.A., but I told him a couple weeks ago, I said, man, you know what? I want you to know that I need you to keep going. I need you to press forward because I feed off of you. And what you're doing is so positive. You may not know this, but you help me out in so many ways. And so my brother has been essential to my growth, both spiritually and the professional world and on so many other levels. That's crazy. That's dope. I like that. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? So I talk about mindset often, right? And it's it's hard for somebody to change their habits and their mindset if they're in what we call a certain neurological level. We think in a way that we think. And it's because of, you know, our cultural backgrounds, our upbringing. It's because of, you know, maybe somebody was in our mind as a child that said things that, you know, just kind of stuck in our subconscious. And it's, you know, our subconscious is is kind of like a computer in the background and it's just going and it's working. We don't know it's working, but it's working. And so the, the analogy that I like to give is, remember back to Nintendo 64 that we used to have or just a regular Nintendo when the game was messing up? What most people would take the game out <laughs> and blow in it. Here's the crazy part. Even though they know it's defective, they'll blow in it and still put it back in there and try to play it. Well, what we need to do as a people in order to really have a mindset shift is take that game out. Instead of blowing in it, go ahead and toss it away. And we program this. Put in a new game. Put in something else that will really help you to shift your mindset to be impressed towards greatness. Because once we get into our mind and once we start thinking about and understanding what we're thinking about, then we can start shifting our behavior, which will cause us to shift the environment and the people that we're around and the things that we're around and the things that we do. So don't get stuck here in your mind simply because of what you learned in your past. We got to get this on a TED talk, man. This is yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> so, in closing, man, like I said, this has been this has been powerful. I mean, we've literally journeyed through your story, and we we've learned how you built your business, and we we know what you do now, and you, the advice that you give, and we're not we're not trying, we're doing. Yeah. You know? Take try out of your vocabulary, and we're they gonna find it. Yeah, I mean that's 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 phenomenal. So if the listeners kind of want to get a hold of you, they want to reach out to you, they want to learn a little bit more about your company and your services and what you're offering. Where can they find some information? So just check me out on Instagram, Scotty L Smith, on Instagram. That's Scotty with an I E. Or you can just uh, 
shoot me an email at scotty at rogfirstchoice.com. Those are the two best ways to get in contact with me. Yeah, I'm here to help. All your real estate needs, anything. If you just need a, an accountability partner, I'm with that too. So just reach out to me, email me, and let's talk. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Scotty, this has been an amazing podcast interview. I thank you so much for the value that you provided, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Allier, and let's talk soon.